Welcome to another Off the Circle. On this week's Off the Circle, we have Zach Kester and Robert Miller of Charitable Allies. Listen to indie-based entrepreneurs and business people. Learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way. Off the Circle, the Indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before. Hey, welcome everybody to another show. Uh, we have uh, a great show today talking about charitable allies and we'll soon find out what that is. But first I want to go around the room and introduce our uh, well, co-host today is... Harry Howe with Howe Leadership. Pleasure to be with you, Doug. Yeah, and then we have uh, Zach Kester who is the Executive Director and managing attorney for Charitable Allies. Welcome, Zach. Thank you very much, Doug, for having us on the show. And we have Robert Miller. Robert is the program director and staff attorney uh, for Charitable Allies. Hi. <laughs> so, so the first question is gonna be, what is Charitable Allies? Charitable Allies is a 501c3 law firm for nonprofit organizations. So most C3 law firms will serve poor and indigent individuals we serve the, those organizations that serve those people. So uh, we are one of only three in the country that I'm aware of. One's in Baltimore and one's wow. in Twin Cities. Uh, we are the biggest. Um, we've been on a significant growth tear here in the last uh, several years, 60% growth. We have several staff attorneys and uh, a couple of other uh, staff as well. And um, we, you know, we love representing nonprofit organizations in all ways. So, Zach, uh, it's my impression that Indiana and Indianapolis in particular um, has something very special going on between the not-for-profit sector, the business sector, and, and government. Has that, has that been your observation? And uh, maybe uh, give some comments as to, given the rarity of what you do being located here. Sure. So Indianapolis is one of the um, most uh, one of the biggest centers of the nonprofit universe, if you will. There are uh, three or four uh, geographic areas that have a, a very significant number of nonprofits, both in real numbers and as a percentage of organizations or what have you. Here, um, Arkansas near the uh, Walton Foundation or Walmart Foundation. Uh, and then, of course, Washington, D.C. are a couple of them, you know, uh, some of them. Ours is here because of the Lilly Endowment. And uh, in years past, the Lilly Endowment has seen programs that they've really loved, and they have a geographic restriction on their gifts. So they've said, hey, we need to bring that program to Indiana. And they've been the catalyst of doing that. And then the organization maybe moved here or brought its program here, and they've been able to fund it. Um, in terms of uh, private public-private partnerships, we're absolutely seeing more of those. Um, the... Uh, there are different terms that we use in the space. Joint ventures is a, is a term, it's a technical term that we use for that, and it means uh, sort of a public-private partnership with some sort of program delivery usually, or, or some, some sort of business, socially, uh, socially conscious business activity, something like this. Uh, another phrase that's uh, commonly used in, in the space is uh, um, uh, socially responsible investing, or better yet, uh, program-related investments. And that's where a private foundation or a funder will make an investment with investment dollars as opposed to grant dollars uh, in a organization's program. 
So what, what foundations are finding is that they are able to be, um, in many respects, far more impactful with investments, loan dollars, um, as opposed to grants. Uh, they may say, you know, grants are, are, are not renewable. They're not a renewable resource once the money is granted. It might have been used that year to help the children in that particular way or save the turtles, whatever your particular thing is. Mine is turtles, admittedly. <laughs> uh, and, um, and that's great, and that is needed. Uh, but what we're finding is being able to u- leverage those dollars, the grant dollar, or I mean loan dollars, to uh, expand programming and hire additional staff that will drive a business type of revenue um, into, or a, or a service type of revenue, if you will, uh, to the organization um, in order to uh, have a greater impact. Me. Robert, uh, I, you were sharing with us earlier that uh, you recently uh, graduated, got your law degree, and passed the bar, and all of those great, uh, great things things what was it that then attracted you to uh, join the team with charitable allies yeah you know honestly when i came out uh, when i first went to law school the reason was to help people and i started thinking maybe it would be uh, a public defender sector but then when i had the interview and i saw you kind of talked to me about a lot of the things they were doing and i was just it's it's interesting every day i can be at least in some small part help all different kinds of nonprofit organizations provide their services to the people that need it most and that's just a really interesting aspect to the job. So, so maybe uh, think of one that was especially interesting and maybe share with us a little bit about one experience that you had that uh, was uh, special to you. Oh, sorry about that. That was... Without breaking client attorney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, worry about that. And... <laughs> Yeah, we can was... skip that question if we need to. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I've got. I'll let Robert think on his. Yeah. I've got a couple that jump out at me. Um, I have worked with a number of organizations that uh, that are anti-human trafficking. Human trafficking is is uh, something that, uh, or anti-human trafficking work is something that I am particularly passionate about. My wife is a prosecuting attorney, and that's among the types of crimes that she prosecutes. She's a, a major felony crimes against children prosecutor. Uh, and I'm on the board of an anti-human trafficking agency, and several of our clients are that. And both both domestically, because it actually it happens a lot more domestically than we realize. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, internationally as well. So organizations that are working in Cambodia and India and um, uh, Eastern Europe uh, in different regions, uh, as well as here in the U.S. And for me, that is you know, and I'm oddly enough, I'm not the one you know, I'm not the one knocking down the door or arresting the, the perpetrator or providing the social services or, or, or counseling to the, um, you know, to the children or, or women who have been uh, victimized, but rather I'm the one who, who is helping that organization stay compliant with you know, international uh, wire transfer rules or with you know, legal structuring. And by doing that, I'm taking those burdens off of the manager's plate or the executive's plate well, so they can really focus on the delivery of their program and helping those, in this case, women and children, usually, um, while I'm taking care of the other things sort of behind the scenes. And, and I'm a part of that, uh, as Robert said, in sort of a small way. I recognize I'm not getting my hands dirty, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I kind of am because I'm really helping the organization uh, do everything sort of right and well. And it's a, it's a much larger problem than, I, I mean, we're starting to see it finally in the news now. Uh, but even in central Indiana, the numbers, uh, I think the Indy Star had an article 
I think it was this last month, mm -hmm. and it was startling numbers, mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of cases. Yes. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's astonishing. How about you, Robert? What was yeah. one of your favorites? Uh, I would say maybe it was one of my one of the earlier projects I had worked on. That it was a veterans organization that they help veterans and their families when they're in the most need. They provide, have a provide them for funds and whatever issue they're dealing with, they help provide funds for it. But what really I thought was the most interesting is a couple with that they do a lot of work with PTSD and they try to do conferences and sort of. Um, just informational sessions to just get the word out and how you can help people, how you can recognize when a family member is dealing with it. Yeah. And just, it was, it was one of the earlier projects I did and it was just really interesting to see how they came, came how they kind of tried to attack the, the problem. And I'd love to, we have a, we have a, a side podcast called Veteran Cast. I'd love to get those, those folks on it. We've been, we've been uh, showcasing PTSD quite a bit over the last, oh. last few months. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm with you guys. I think that's, you are a part of it. You are a part of um, what's happening there. Now, is is the um, you know the obvious question is because you guys are a nonprofit, um, how does does that help serve beyond you know just obviously keeping you know uh, costs lower you know for people? What other advantages do you guys offer by being a nonprofit? Sure. So uh, there are a couple of things. There are relatively few tax-exempt attorneys. I would say, um, you know, we've done we've done some research uh, in Indiana and, and in other sectors or, or markets as well, but in Indiana, there are probably between 25 and 30 attorneys who who spend a majority of their practice on um, nonprofit law or tax-exempt law, as we call it, exempt organizations. Of that, the vast majority are at big firms. So you might have you know, Barnes and Quarles and Ice and Fagri and, and Hall Render, and they have uh, two, three, four, five attorneys each who do exempt organizations work. And that's usually major foundations, hospitals, universities. Yeah. We really focus on the underserved market. What we found was um, so many nonprofit organizations lack uh, legal advice that is um, really conscious of who they are and where they are and what they do. And many nonprofit organizations, they have a, a you know one or more fantastic attorneys and accountants and marketing professionals, for example, on their board. But those folks, particularly the attorneys, might not be exempt organizations as a major percentage of their practice. And so their advice we we, we tend to find is um, either overly conservative or just flat out wrong or uh, yeah. you know. Very, various things like this. And in fact, well, some of our biggest referrals are those attorneys on those boards who are realizing, well, oh, wait, that, you know, I started to look into that and I realized how much more complicated that question was. And when, when this is the area you practice day in and day out, you can answer questions off the top of your head that it would take another attorney three hours or six hours to research to find the correct answer. And it's just the function of this is what we do day in and day out. So what we found then is there are very few attorneys who, who do this much nonprofit law uh, as a very significant percentage of their of their uh, daily activities, who are in a, either a small firm or are at a rate that nonprofits can afford. So we do charge for our services. We charge a very reasonable hourly rate. And one of the rules of thumb that we follow, that's based on the IRS rules, is uh, equal to or less than half of fair market value. Um, uh, so we you know run some comps, and our our hourly rate is is within or below what a, what a solo attorney or a two to five attorney firm would charge. Wow. But what you're getting is a, is people who do nothing but nonprofit law. Yeah. 
What would be an example of how nonprofit law would differ from the more typical, I'll say, for-profit law? Uh, board governance is actually very different. The, the concept of having board meetings and minutes is similar, but the legal standards that apply to the boards is a little bit different, uh, actually a lot a bit different. Um, the business judgment rule looks very different. The types of questions that uh, for-profit companies uh, are addressing when it comes to compensation packages or when it comes to um, uh, not just remuneration but then business decisions is very different from the way that nonprofit organizations have to consider it usually. Uh, another area is uh, just the, you know, tax is commonly the tail that wags the dog no matter what kind of business it is. And here it's tax avoidance. So we're not worried at all about whether we're running in the black, whether we have quote-unquote profit. What makes profit profit is that it's distributed to, to shareholders. So right. in the nonprofit space, yeah, you run in the black, but we call it net revenue. So you can have all the net revenue you want as long as it's coming from programs that are appropriately charitable, if you will, and that you're you know driving that revenue back into the program and paying for your your staff and you know things like that. So uh, those are some of the problems that are different. I will say I want to I want to add to something I said a second ago. Um, we in terms of our revenue sources, we also receive a significant percentage of our revenue as grants and also as non-legal fee um, education or, or consulting. So we've got sort of three main program lines. Thinking back to when um, I was first introduced to your organization, you were especially helpful with a, a client of mine and helping them understand whether or not they should even consider um, forming or transitioning to not-for-profit status. Can you maybe comment on on that facet of what you do in terms of advising people at that very beginning stage as well? Absolutely. I would say that there's sort of three considerations in answer to your question. The first is that nonprofit organizations in terms of programming can do almost everything that a for-profit can. There, there are some definite things they can't, but, but if you're thinking, hey, this is what I want to do, and you have some sort of socially conscious element to it, we can probably do it as a nonprofit entity. If you're really just trying to sell widgets to make yourself money, that's probably not a nonprofit. But if you have any sort of socially conscious aspect to what you want to do, it can probably be done as or by a nonprofit. That's the first sort of principle or answer to your, to your well, question. Well, you guys are a great example of that, right? Most attorney firms are for profit, but right. because you're in the service of nonprofits, you're able to right. take and the, the IRS designation for us is called public interest law firm, and there are other designations for different types of social service agencies or what have you that we can, you know, and standards that we can meet, to, you know, and tests that we can pass to make sure that that, that that happens. But yeah, that's exactly right for us. Um, the second thought I had to, to your question is, uh, a creating a nonprofit doesn't necessarily mean grants or donations are going to sort of rain from the sky, right? <laughs> so that's sort of the, the other side of the... The, the, the pendulum, some people either think nonprofits, well, they can't have any type of business activities at all. That's not true. They can. They just have to follow the rules and be related to the exempt purpose. And the other side is this issue, which, okay, I'm going to be a nonprofit now. Now grants are just going to come running my way. No, it doesn't quite work that way either. You have to have a track record of impact and be able to show that and measurables and things. So so we need to be realistic about what it means to sort of care and feed for a non care and feed a nonprofit. Um, you know, uh, meetings, uh, you know, uh, 
grant applications, what that looks like, uh, financial controls, the amount of transparency and the publicly available uh, tax returns, if you will. All these things are parts of having and running a nonprofit, but if you are socially conscious and you, you know, you're going to have some program service revenue and you might also benefit from some donations, then it might absolutely be the right path for you. The, uh, and for people listening that may be interested in going the down the road of creating a nonprofit, you can help them as well, right? Yeah, we do a lot of that. Uh, we also do, um, you know, like a, creating a program of a nonprofit or a subsidiary or mergers, uh, acquisitions, you know, um, spin out a new program, sort of it's, it's, it's sort of outgrown the, the initial home that it was in, and so it decides to go off on its own. That's all the core of what we do. Also, in representing nonprofit organizations, we are a bit of a generalist, meaning we'll do human resources and employment law, contract law, insurance oh, wow. law. So, but if you start to get into some of the highly specialized fields like environmental or intellectual property, we have other firms we work with that we've negotiated a discounted rate, they serve our clients well, they keep us informed, and they do only those subject areas. Um, and uh, uh, so if it gets to that point, we make the referral. But in terms of, we're a general service business firm, if you will, for nonprofit organizations. And, and I'm, I'm asking from a selfish standpoint, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. if anybody hasn't got that feeling, but um, because right now I'm in the middle of forming a, non, uh, a nonprofit on the veteran side uh, to do work there, um, and, and it is tough. <laughs> So I wish I would have met you six months ago. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but part of that is on an ongoing relationship basis, are you a member of your client's board or are you, you know, how engaged? Because for me personally, right, I want to focus on the service side of it. I don't want to focus on the legal and taxes. And Harry knows that, right, Harry? I do. Harry helps me with my business on that stuff. And, and so... You don't you know, pay taxes? What? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I pay plenty of taxes. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm curious at what at what level of engagement are are you working with these companies? Sure. Uh, it, it definitely varies. It, go, it varies from um, we do a project or two, and they just come to us sort of when they need us for for those projects. There's usually a catalyst that brought someone in the door. You know, some some event of some kind. Either the house is on fire, or they're you know they're they're doing some planning for whatever an expansion or something. Uh, so there's that. I mean, we're project based. A decent number of our clients. So I'm on the board of two of our clients. I do. Uh, that's sort of the maximum I can do at one time. Yeah. Uh, one is the trafficking anti-trafficking agency, and another is a professional association of a certain type of nonprofit organizations. And um, so one is they're both professional, but one's more a personal professional passion, and one's a you know purely professional professional passion. Uh, and that's sort of what the boards I'm on now. I do encourage my staff to consider uh, being on boards of directors. There's a Indianapolis area has a get on board program every year. And so I'm you know, encouraging them to go this year um, and explore that. Uh, so that's what I do in terms of board engagement. But we do also have quite a number of our clients who um, who we're their just go to person. You know, I mean, uh, what some of our clients have told me is they like us because we get them. We say yes we will figure out a way to make it happen. They have some, you know, <laughs> cockamamie idea about how they want to do something. And we might not be able to do it, get there exactly. They thought they'd go from A to B, but we can get them to B by going through C and D. And it's actually not that complicated. We just frame it this way and have this language and then boom, you're there. And they like that 
you know, yeah. we're, we're not, we don't say no, we're going to get you there uh, if, if there's any way we reasonably can. Uh, and so they, we've really become sort of their trusted advisor, not just for uh, legal questions, but, you know, hey, I've got this issue with my board. Do you have any advice on that? Um, you know, this funder has this odd question. Can you help us with that? So any, you know, any sort of operational, major operational or complex operational considerations, we really become the advisor to help with those things as well. You had uh, used the metaphor of uh, somebody coming with a, with a house on fire. What would be some of the more typical situations that you have in mind when you say that? Well, I'll tell you one that happened today, which is not that uncommon. This one happens about once a month. Uh, I just got a demand letter from the bank. It's the board chair talking. And they say, I just got a demand letter from the bank for $194,000. I had no idea we even had this debt. And the executive director is nowhere to be found and hasn't been for eight months. Oh, no. That was today. <laughs> yep, that was today. And I, I have calls like that monthly. Uh, that's a true sort of houses on fire. This one's going to cost some money to sort of clean up. And obviously the facts were more complicated and we got into it and they had done some digging and had some answers. Uh, but it was, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we're under this timeline. And, you know, one that's not quite that bad yeah. would be, um, our CFO was sick. They missed payroll, or they missed uh, they missed payroll taxes, and now the IRS is coming to knock in. And you know yeah. what? What can we? How can we get this cleaned up? You know, uh, or um, hey, the Attorney General received a complaint against us, and now they're investigating. Uh, they've sent us this uh, this this demand. It's called a civil investigative demand. And uh, what do we do? Um, so all so, things that probably scare the heck out of the, yes. <laughs> the people running the nonprofit. Yeah. And but, they're more common than you might realize. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, so most nonprofits do budget for accounting because they know they got to get their audit. They got to get their 990, which is their tax return done, but they don't often budget for legal. So they um, literally wait until it's almost too late. And uh, I would encourage organizations, if you have anything sort of noodling out there in the background that you think might be an issue, just have a conversation and we might be able to, you know, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We might be able to save a lot of time and headache uh, in the future by just addressing it um, a little bit at the front end. Well, let's talk, let's, let's close out with that. Um, so if I'm either, you know, going to form a nonprofit or I have one, um, how, do, how do I engage with you? So we do uh, free initial consults and um, we can do them telephonically. We do them uh, web, WebEx or video chat type, type thing or in person, of course, uh, and uh, talk about the, the needs or the issues we have. Uh, you can uh, reach out to us at uh, info at charitableallies.org or my email address, which is zkester at charitableallies.org and Roberts is rmiller at uh, charitableallies.org. Email or our phone number, uh, 317-333-6065. They can just contact us in any one of these ways. Uh, we will then um, work with them to, to schedule a, a consult. Uh, you know, we triage those and, and get them scheduled. We do several a week um, and uh, figure out what the scope of work is. Uh, once we define the scope, we'll send an engagement letter and they'll be able to, you know, review that and say, okay, this is what we talked about. This is consistent. We always provide an estimate, say we think it's going to cost this to this. Um, we're really good at sticking within that estimate, uh, but we also make it clear that estimate is making these assumptions. So yeah. if, if, uh, if we find out that there's actually this other creditor out there right. that's, that's chasing you, that's, 
uh, we're happy to help, but that might right. be outside of the scope because we didn't know that at the beginning, for example. Right. Um, anyway, so we define the scope, we stick within it as best as we can, and we're really pretty good at doing that. Uh, and then uh, we do charge hourly for many projects. That said, we receive donations that are designated maybe for a project or restricted for a project. So if it's like, hey, help, this board is in really uh, distress. And so a foundation will contact us and say, hey, we've made this referral. Please take care of this organization. So I might, you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they'll give us a small grant, you know, maybe yeah. 5000 or $10,000 or something. And it'll be to work with that agency for a six-month or a 12-month period to sort of improve their governance, improve their, you know, whatever it was that the concern was. Yeah. And so we do receive a decent amount of grants that are like that, but it is a restricted program grant for that client um, or for that project. Wow, what a great idea. So that seems like, you know, if you're, if you're working with a nonprofit and you're seeing some trouble and um, that just seems like the perfect way to get it, yeah. <laughs> you know, to take care of it is, Maybe they don't have the budget or anything, so you donate the money and, and get Better them than the gift card. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we're a nonprofit or a charity, so yeah. sometimes the donors will give us, like donate to us yeah. for that purpose. Yeah, ah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank this you, is fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Thanks, Robert. Thank and uh, we will put on the show notes uh, exactly where to find Charitable Allies. Uh, we'll put the phone number as well. We won't put your email address just because then it'll get crawled and you'll get spam. And everything. <laughs> uh, but no uh, thanks for joining us on Off the Circle. Yeah, thanks for having us. If you're an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.